be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaBusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by Dole Food Company, the world's leading producer and distributor of fresh fruits and vegetables. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. As always, I want to open the program by extending a special welcome to our military service personnel, many of whom are joining us from overseas via the Internet. Thank you for being with us again. Our guest today may well be the most prolific host on television and radio in the world. According to CNN, he has interviewed more than 50,000 heads of state, leaders, and celebrities. In just a moment, the one and only Mr. Larry King will be joining me on the program. Unless you've been living under a rock for the past five decades, you not only recognize King's trademark voice and suspenders, But you've seen at least one of his interviews. He has hosted every president since Gerald Ford, interviewed global leaders such as Yasser Arafat and King Hussein, and along the way offered us insights into headline makers ranging from Mike Tyson to Meryl Streep. But here's a few things you may not know about Mr. King. He was born Lawrence Harvey Zeiger in Brooklyn, New York. His father was a defense plant worker who passed away at a young age of heart disease, leaving King's mother to care for two sons. While he was still a boy, King developed a fascination with radio. And by the time he turned 24, he found himself on the air at WH. At WAHR in Miami Beach as a disc jockey where he reportedly earned $55 a week. Between 1957 and 1977, King parlayed that first job into bigger and better positions in radio, finally landing a national show on Mutual Broadcasting System. He hosted a popular coast-to-coast program Monday through Friday from midnight to 5 a.m., and there is no question that his nightly 90-minute interviews with prominent figures, combined with the ease at which he handled callers, prepared him for his next role, the one for which he is perhaps best known. In 1985, Larry King Live was launched on CNN, and the rest is television history. That is, until he stepped down from the program in 2010. But if anyone thought King would quietly slip away into retirement, they didn't understand the unstoppable curiosity which was responsible for driving King to the top of the broadcasting industry in the first place. In July of this year, King debuted Larry King Now on web broadcaster Hulu, proving once again that his penchant for innovation is alive and kicking. In just a moment, we're going to ask him about that decision to choose the Internet for his new program. But before we do, I want to mention that King has been inducted into the 
National Radio Hall of Fame and also the Broadcasters Hall of Fame and is the recipient of the Emmy, Peabody, Golden Mike, and more awards than we have time to go into. But perhaps the most important thing you may not know about Larry King is that he has been a living example of charitable giving. In addition to the Larry King Cardiac Foundation, he has sponsored hundreds of student scholarships, has been an active board member of the Police Athletic League, and generously funded and hosted global relief telethons for Hurricane Katrina, the earthquake in Haiti, and the Gulf oil spill. And if I'm not very careful, I will eat up all of our time today trying to make sure I do justice to his accomplishments. It's my pleasure to have with us today a man known just as much for his persistence as his goodwill, Mr. Larry King. Welcome to the program, Mr. King. Rebecca, I thought I died. (laughs) No. No, think of it as a living eulogy. That's my longest intro in my broadcast life. (laughs) Well, maybe I'm doomed on broadcasting. You know, I didn't start there. I started as a writer, and and so maybe I am doomed. Uh, You know, thank you again for being with us, uh, and congratulations on your new program. Thanks very much. I'm having a lot of fun doing it. Uh, so I, as I mentioned, uh, you had a long, successful run at CNN, and it's been my experience that something always starts the ball rolling when we close one chapter and we open another. In this case, what was it that made you think it might be time to move on? Well, first, uh, I've always done both radio and television. The one thing you left out of the bio is that after I started in radio at $55 a week. Two Wait a minute, later, I, I left something out? Yeah, I started on television in 1959 in in Miami uh-huh. at, uh, I think, $80 a week. Anyway, I've always worked both. And then, of course, CNN in 1985, as you said. Uh, first, I, 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 I had done so much time at, at CNN, so much time in radio and uh, writing uh, 16 books and appearing in 22 movies. And I have two young children, and they were, they were 12 and they were... Well, they were 11 and 10 at the time. Now they're 13 and 12. And I thought I wanted to spend more time with them and coach a little league and be involved. And I certainly have been doing that as well as I do a lot of speaking. Mainly I just tell funny stories, but I've been speaking all around the world, so I've been doing a lot more of that. And I thought it would be over and done with. What really hit me was the night Osama bin Laden was killed, and I had no show to go to to talk about that. And I really missed that, miss being in the action. Fortunately... A gentleman in Mexico City named Carlos Slim, who is uh, the richest man in the world, had invited me to come down to speak to uh, students that he gives scholarships to. He does it every year. I think he gives 12,000 scholarships. And I went down with uh, Kofi Annan and James Cameron to be the speakers. I was the keynote speaker. Mm -hmm. And I had never met Carlos Slim, and uh, he apparently had been watching me for years. And After I spoke, uh, he drove me around. Mexico City took me to see his soon-to-be-open museum and office buildings and all the things he'd been doing, and we really struck up a nice friendship at a dinner that night. Then I went back and invited him to appear on my show on CNN, which he graciously accepted, and he came to my house for dinner. At the end of the dinner, he just said, well, you're retiring. Uh, what, are you, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know. I'm going to speak and spend more. He said, well, you ought to be doing something. Why don't we think of something? And then my wife came up uh, with the idea of why don't we go on the Internet and start a network, and Carlos financed it, and we called it Aura, Aura meaning now mm-hmm. in Italian, and uh, called the show Larry King Now, and uh, started with my show. There'll be other shows coming on the network featuring many hosts. We hope to be 
if not 24 hours, certainly 16 hours a day right now with the Larry King Show, and Hulu is our distributor. And then for the election, I'm doing shows following the debates on YouTube. YouTube is distributing those, and then on election night, we'll be at the Reagan Library doing a special show from there. So I'm right in the middle of the heat. I'm continuing to speak. I've spoken just all over the world, in Moscow and Seoul and in uh, Lisbon, and I'm in Montreal in a couple of weeks for a conference. I like doing so. I'm, I'm back in the action again while still trying to spend more time with the boys. And doing the Internet show is a lot easier than the CNN show. We tape it. It's uh, The show is 30 minutes in length. We do four shows a week, Monday through Thursday. And we have beautiful studios here in Glendale. So it's a much, it's a, while it sounds kind of crazy, it is an easier life. Well, now you've been you've been very open about the fact that the media has become uh, just as polarized as Washington D.C. and you uh-huh. feel that uh, even news. We might channels... have even been we might have even been the cause of it. Uh, I think uh, mm-hmm. it started with with twenty four hour news when CNN was the only game in town. We had a nice ride, and we were always balanced. And I've never given on the air in my life a political opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, never announced what candidate I was voting for, and always did interviews where I came from being curious, just damn curious. I never pretended that I know more about the law than the lawyer or more about medicine than a doctor, more about business than a businessman, or more about politics than a senator. I had opinions, but I left them at the door. I left my ego at the door. I asked short questions, eliciting answers and then following it up, and we made a lot of news and I just loved that that situation of being the asker of questions. Then along came uh, the Bush years, wars that people didn't like. Uh, then we had MSNBC left, Fox right, and CNN got kind of boxed in the middle. And all of that erupted into vituperative country, which we have become. And it's sad to see this, that people hate more than uh, before. Uh, in this election, I think people are more voting against than for. Mm-hmm. If you're an Obama fan, you're voting against Romney. If you're a Romney fan, you're voting against Obama. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's always against, against, against. Uh, people don't come together. Um, to think not one Republican voted for the health pill. That was ridiculous. Right, right. I, I, I can't agree with you more. We have to take a short commercial break. When we come back, we're going to uh, talk a little bit about how the web is shaping programming, such as the uh, presidential debates. You're listening to the Costa Report. There's no question that selling a home can be a tricky business when the economy is uneven. But here's a little bit of good news. Not only are financing options opening up, America's love affair with the Monterey Peninsula still continues. Homes that are priced and marketed right are moving. Hi, I'm Judy Profeta, owner-broker of Alon Pinnell Realtors in Carmel, where we're happy to report that inventories are coming down and homes are selling. So if you're getting ready to sell or listing your home, call Alon Pinnell Realtors in Carmel at 831 831- Six two two ten forty, or stop by our offices on the corner of Ocean and Dolores, or our main office on Unipero between Fifth and Sixth in downtown Carmel. Alan Pinnell Realtors, serious brokers for serious sellers. 
Hi, I'm Rebecca Costa, host of the Costa Report. We have an important election coming this November, and I know that many folks are struggling right now. And if you're not struggling, well, then you're just flat out worried. I know that you're hoping that the next president, whoever they are, will have a plan for getting us out of an economic hole that keeps getting deeper. But this time around, the answers may not come from the top down. Something is happening to us, and it is happening to all people in all nations at the exact same time. And that is why I am asking you to take a moment to read The Watchman's Rattle. It's a book that will change the way you see our problems and also the upcoming election. So please pick up a copy of The Watchman's Rattle. Do it now. It's available at Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, and independent bookstores everywhere. You can also grab a copy at Rebecca Cox. But don't wait. Take a moment to get your copy, and together, let's get our lives and our country moving forward again. Ben Loman Market. Low price, great savings, quality, and service that doesn't always cost you more. Andy Gustafson. My job is the produce manager at Ben Loman Market. I do uh, all the ordering, quality control, bringing in new items, making sure everything is nice out on the rack for the customer to buy. I have worked here 25 years. I personally love the customers we have. I love working for the owners I have. And between comparing those two together, it's a real easy, nice, fun job. My favorite is apples. Uh, uh, Any kind of apple, I love eating apples. My favorite vegetable is probably Italian squash. We have plenty of fresh product, both in produce, meat, deli. We have, I think, a very uh, warm crew, and we really try to make the customer happy. We really appreciate our customers. Ben Loman Market. Compare and save. A proud member of Think Local First, Santa Cruz County. Are you a faithful KSL listener? Do you listen only during the week or weekends as well? For example, Sundays at 11 a.m., the week review with Dave Michaels and Thomas Hughes, followed by Dr. Pete Peppery. Oh, after a couple out of three hours of old-time radio, we have Sunday at 4 with me, your host, Dave Allen, where we talk about esoteric, metaphysics, quantum physics, everything positive, Anything unusual, more happier radio, more positive radio. Sundays at 4 p.m. with me, your host, Dave Allen. Right here on AM 1080 KSEO. You have got it. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and our guest today is broadcasting legend, Mr. Larry King. So, you know, you've been on the air for decades, and you have a large and very loyal audience. So when it came time to launch Larry King Now, you could have gone to any network and they would have jumped. But you deliberately chose to broadcast on the Internet. So what was it about the Internet specifically that that got you going? Well, I'm not a technocrat at all. I... Uh, my cell phone is still has the flip open box. I don't have an <laughs> iPhone. I've never sent a text. Uh, I never. A text. Never sent a text. Are, no, are you using know. social media? Wouldn't know how to do it. I oh I I I have two million two hundred thousand Twitter followers. I'm on Facebook. There I you go. Now I, I dictate it. I call up and I have a person who takes it all down and I send out. 
tweets almost every day and uh-huh. stuff. I know all that's happening. Now, I, I, I see when people laugh at that, all my life that I've been in broadcasting, for example, you and I are talking now, right? I'm on the telephone. You're at a studio, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't know how this is working. How the <laughs> hell can you hear me? I don't know how the telephone works. I don't know how television works. I don't know how you go up and bounce off a satellite 22. I only know what I do. So therefore, I'm not doing anything different than I did in 1957. I'm sitting with people asking questions. The means of transmitting it is different than faster. And the Internet is obviously the latest means of transmission. So my vehicle is being transmitted in the latest means. As when I started the national radio show, it was the first network national radio show. When I started CNN, we were the first international call-in show. Being by satellite all over the world, Ted Turner was a genius. And now we have the Internet. So it is tomorrow. I thought that I, I was done. I, I realized I couldn't go back. I didn't want to go back into broadcasting. And this was something new, to be backed by a man like Carlos Slim, my wife is very much into technology and into what's happening in the world. I don't have to know the technology. Uh, dare say, if I could go back, someone asked me, if you could go back 150 years, right? Mm-hmm. Let's go back to Lincoln. Yeah. What could you teach him? Could you teach him how to build a jet plane? <laughs> Would you explain a jet plane to him? Would he understand a jet plane? Could, he, could you tell him, you know, Abe, you guys, we got a little box here. Right. You hit the button on this box, and you can see somebody in Paris talking. Come on. I couldn't show them how to do it. And dare say, I doubt if many people could. But you, so you, I, you, you do point out you've always been an innovator, and you're always looking for that next medium. Correct. So I accept the fact that the Internet is here. It is real. There are dangers in it, as there are in anything. You know, if we never invented the airplane, we never would have had a crash. Yes. The danger of the Internet is that everyone's a journalist. Mm-hmm. The danger of Twitter is you can Twitter out anything, start a lie that goes around the world. That's the price you pay to be, you know, Orwell's 1984. But you how many people price. have an opportunity to vet out the truth? Well, the truth is as you perceive it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so people, you know, some of these, the people that blog, they can say anything. Everybody says things go on on the Internet, lies, books, headlines. I could start a rumor tomorrow that goes around the world in a second. Now, that's the that's a disadvantage. Now, what's the advantage? The advantage is all news is learned immediately. Mm-hmm. Immediately, because of the Internet. If it's instantaneous. If something happened in the world right now, mm-hmm. you and I would know it this minute. Mm-hmm. This minute, it would be around the world. We'd have knowledge and things could spin in around the world. There's a lot of advantages to that. But you can't stop technological advance. It's very interesting to me. Don't work on a better weapon. Yeah, People it's, it's, will work on better weapons. It's interesting to me that the, in some ways the Internet is acting as a filter for uh, the truth and truth and reporting in an odd sort of algorithmic way. And let me explain what I mean. When we get the initial reporting, it's not spun. Right. The initial videos, they're not crafted. They're not edited. Whatever we see immediately about the news event tends to be closer to the truth than the things we get two, three days later, a week later, when when the when people have had a chance to manage and massage it. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. One of the dangers, though, is look at uh, what's happening to the American newspaper, the newspaper, which is a staple to me. I, I miss newsprint. Mm-hmm. I, I, now, you read several papers every day. 
I read five or six, and yeah. I get them at the door, and then I go to newsstands and buy some. And that, for example, you just described an event which the world would see, right? Mm-hmm. But I used to rely on Time magazine to tell me what was happening two minutes before that event. Mm-hmm. Who was witnessing that from, that the camera didn't see? But now we, the kids don't. No one reads Time magazine or Newsweek. I mean, come on, you, you buy it; it's got twelve pages. Because we're so instantaneous, we want more, we want more. Eat it up, spit it out. Give me more, give me more. So we have very little background. Therefore, we don't know the heart of things. I always wanted to know in interviewing, in, in reading, and in learning, what's the heart of something? You see, it's easy to know there's an event. An A-bomb is dropped. Yes. But it was newspapers and magazines that taught me how Truman made that decision. Mm-hmm. And when the Russians were deciding to get into the war in the Orient... You know, these this are all things I learned from background. Television has a tough time with background because it's not visual. Well, the fact is I, I have no idea, uh, you know, what political leaning Walter Cronkite had or uh, Brinkley or, or any of the, the newscasters. And yet oh, I worked at I worked yeah. at CNN for 25 years. Uh-huh. Uh, Candy Crowley, who will uh, moderate one of the debates. I have no idea who Candy Crowley voted for or what her politics. Isn't are. that the way it should be? Well, you think it's the way. It, well, it doesn't have to be that way. There's always room for opinion. I've got nothing against, I've nothing against opinion. It's vituperativeness. It's the, what we have here is, let's say, uh, Rush Limbaugh's a classic example of a man who just, he hates. And so it leads to lying and it leads to things that are just untoward of and ridiculous. Rush said that every moderator of the panels of the, the, the presidential debates is a liberal. How the hell does he know that? I know Candy Crowley. I don't know what she is. I know her for 25 years. Mm-hmm. So, so let's rely on issues and go to it, hopefully. Now, I remember when I was a kid, or even when I started broadcasting, I could remember every me- I could name every member of the United States Senate. I knew, st- I knew, st- I remember interviewing Everett Dirksen, mm-hmm. who told me about Lyndon Johnson calling him in, in the fight over the Civil Rights Bill in 1964. And uh, he put his arms around Dirksen, this is Lyndon Johnson. Try to picture Obama doing this with Boehner. He put his arms around Dirks and he said, Everett. I think I it'd be more to... around his neck, not around his yeah. shoulders. I want you to support this bill, Everett, for one reason, because it's right. Mm-hmm. And that's old Everett, just because it's right. Mm-hmm. But that, isn't there sort of a denial anymore. amongst hosts and newscasters that because they're on the air, they have this ability to influence people? through their opinions. I mean, isn't there sort of a lack of responsibility in general? Uh, I have. Well, to, I, I worry about this a great deal, by the way. I don't like to give my opinions. I don't like to even weigh in they, on I any issue. Think, I don't agree that they influence people. For example, mm. I think they preach to the choir. I see. Uh, I th- so I think, I, I don't think Rush Limbaugh or... Um, uh, the girl on MSNBC, mm-hmm. uh, she's very smart. I don't think either one of them has a viewer who said, you know, you're right, I'm changing my vote. I, see. <laughs> I think they just appeal to those people, but they appeal to them in a harsh manner. Rachel Maddow, yeah. uh, she appeals to people in a harsh manner. So I don't see Republicans looking at her saying, eh, you got a point. Well, I think you or have Democrats, a point. Were Democrats watching uh, Sean Hannity saying, boy, that's a good point. So they're they're preaching to the choir. So therefore, their influence is minimal. Discussing it is almost moot. 
Well, we have to take another short break. When we come back, we'll talk more about Larry King now and whether the long format interview is doomed and whether newspapers are doomed. You're listening to the Costa Report. There aren't many things you can trust these days, but thankfully you can still trust your taste buds. That's why I want to tell you about Caraccioli Cellars. Recently, I stopped by their tasting room right there on Dolores Street in downtown Carmel to sample their Pinot Noir. And well, folks, let me put it this way. I did not stop there. The Pinot was so far and above what you'd expect from a family-owned winery that I had to try their Chardonnay, Brut Rosé, and Brut Cuvée just to make sure the Pinot wasn't some fluke. And you know what? This may be the one and only time you hear me, Rebecca Costa, mention a winemaker on the air. If you don't know Caraccioli Cellars, then get your taste buds down to their tasting room on Dolores Street and ask them to pour you the same wines that won me over. Caraccioli Cellars. Memorize that name because you're going to hear a lot about them. This caliber of wine doesn't stay a secret for long. Caraccioli Cellars. It's what I serve at my table, and you'll be proud to serve it at yours. Robert Frost said, good fences make good neighbors. But I say, bamboo privacy hedges make really good neighbors. Hello, I'm Larry Gullman of Bamboo Giant on Freedom Boulevard in Aptos. Bamboo Giant features the best bamboo species for our local climate, which means we have the right bamboo for you. Listen to what customers have to say. My name's Amy Brooks. I'm from San Jose. I had a new fence built, and it left a little space between me and my neighbor. Love my neighbor, but didn't we just didn't need to be in each other's business. And so I looked at bamboos online, thinking it would be very simple, and come to find out there's 8,000 varieties of bamboo, and the only ones I knew about were those little squiggly ones. So I went to Bamboo Giant and Aptos, and he had two varieties for me to pick from. And so I looked at those two and picked the one I like. The privacy problem has been solved. Visit Bamboo Giant and walk our 30 acres of naturally growing bamboo groves. You will be truly amazed at the diversity, and you will see just how easy it can be to use bamboo to bring privacy to your home. Bamboo Giant is located at 5601 Freedom Boulevard in Aptos and on the web at BambooGiant.com. It's out there. Faster, stronger, more agile. Introducing the all-new John Deere Gator RSX 850i. 62 horsepower, 53 miles per hour. The RSX 850i. It's a whole new species of Gator. See it in action at johndeere.com slash Gator or wrestle one down at your local RDO equipment company. Not only does RDO equipment company have the new Gators, they've got all the bells and whistles to go with them. Customer focused, quality driven. RDO equipment. Company. Find your new Gator RSX 850i as well as all the equipment you need to manage your land at RDO Equipment. Whether you have one acre or hundreds of acres, RDO Equipment's knowledgeable and experienced sales and parts departments help you find the right equipment and parts for your needs. And RDO staff of service professionals will keep your equipment running so you can keep working. Get the right equipment for your job at RDO Equipment in Salinas and Monterey and RDOEquipment.com. If you're a veteran of Iraq or Afghanistan, like me, coming home can be harder than expected. But it turns out I wasn't alone. At IAVA.org, there's a free online community of thousands of vets who've got your back. Whether it's managing the transition home or everyday stuff like finding a nice sweater for my dog. Sweater? Okay, maybe not that. Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America is there for you. Join our community at IAVA.org. We got your back. Brought to you by IAVA and the Ad Council. I'm Ethan Behrman, host of Smoke-Filled World. Each week, I cut through the smoke-filled world of politics and current events to bring key issues and figures into sharper view. I have my finger on the transnational pulse. Tune into the show for interviews with compelling and connected guests. 
I'll be taking your calls while presenting ideas that are left, right, and forward. Listen to Ethan Behrman's Smoke-Filled World, 6 to 8 p.m. Sundays, here on KSEO AM 1080. Welcome back to the Costa Report. Our guest today is television and radio host, Mr. Larry King. So, you know, Mr. King, talk shows are a lot like live theater, so you never know what's going to happen when you go to an interview, and you're no stranger to surprises. So let me ask you, out of these 50,000-plus guests who are your toughest interviews, are there any guests that would not be on the top of your list to necessarily bring back? Not every guest is perfect. Sometimes you wish that... uh... You you can think. Uh, I never try to. I never was uh, expecting things. I never pre-planned what was going to happen. I always wanted to be surprised. And uh, Robert Mitchum, of course, he passed away. He gave me a tough time. He answered me in one word. Uh, we had Rock Hudson's wife on. Not many people knew that he was ever married. Why and, did uh, Mitchum agree to do that interview? I watched. You that... never know. You never know. You never I mean, know. did you have a chance to ever ask him? No, Why he, he would come me. on a show and give one-word answers? I know, he drove me nuts. But <laughs> Phyllis Gates, who was Rock Hudson's wife, we called her when he died of AIDS, and she agreed to do the show. It was the only show she ever did. And we were all excited, and CNN promoted it all day. Here she is, Rock Hudson's wife. Yes. And uh, we started out, and she had no interest in that when he had AIDS. She didn't know he was gay. She didn't care. didn't call him. Felt bad when he died. <laughs> it was... Five minutes, you were out of things to talk about. That's that's part of the vagaries of doing live talk. It is, you know, it ain't brain surgery. That's true. Well, you work your hardest. You try to do things. Sometimes you can take a guest who starts bad and make them good by working hard. You got to work. But it always, I always, it came easy to me because I was always insatiably curious. Yes. I was the kind of kid, we'd go with our friends to Dodger games and, uh, We'd stand outside Ebbets Field. The game was over and the players would come out and the friends wanted autographs. I never asked for an autograph. I'm asking questions. Why'd they do that in the third inning? Why'd you change pitchers? I was all, and I'm still that way. I remember once I flew the Concorde to Britain and the pilots knew me so they invited me to sit up front with them on the fastest plane in the world. We made it to Britain in three hours and nine minutes. You can tell by the end of that flight they couldn't wait to get rid of me. Because I never stopped asking questions that whole flight. What's that over there? Why do you do this? Why do you hit that button? Which control controls this? And you could tell they were looking like, why do we invite him in here? Uh, I, I, I'm that way at home. My wife complains. Which is why, Last Mr. Night, King, like, I could have guessed that you wouldn't have stayed retired because that's just yeah. not a natural state for you. Let me ask you something here. You know, our attention span, it feels like it's getting shorter and shorter and Everything on the news is bite-sized. As you point out, you know, newspapers are really in trouble right now. And the fact is, if I ever let the networks get a hold of me, they'd try to cram four or five or six guests and commentators in an hour segment. But folks like you and Charlie Rose, you seem to be holding out. So let me ask you this. Is the long-format interview doomed? Are long articles, are you know, really uh, uh, substantial investigative reports, are these a thing of the past? Are we just going to go to little, you know, 26-character tweets? Well, print may be doomed. Really? Print, print may be doomed. It may, it may be doomed. Uh, because you're not going to change your culture. And no child reads papers. They don't read papers. But uh, long-form interviewing can come back, and I think it is dinosaurish, is uh, because usually what goes around comes around. 
So somebody, it may be 20 years from now, they'll find somebody and say, hey, look at this guy. He sits with someone for 45 minutes. Wow. And they'll go, wow. But it's going to be hard because it is so, we're so craving for something instant. Like, one thing I loved about radio interviews that I used to do is I had time. Yeah. So I'd have two hours with a guest so I could do background. Mm -hmm. I was more interested in the writer than in the book. Mm -hmm. uh, what prompted him to write the book? You know, I was fascinated with those things. Today, you have to go to the immediate thing. If you're doing a television show today, for example, if I were moderating a debate the, between Obama and, and I've done many, moderated many debates, governors, I moderated the Pearl-Gore debate, the largest watch show in cable history. I moderated the Bush-McCain debate in the primary in South Carolina. I've moderated many debates. The first question I would ask of Obama and Romney, mm -hmm. which would never go, is, how's it going? You like, <laughs> you like this race? Now, what you do when you do that kind of thing. Oh, I so you want you to moderate question. a presidential debate. You have no idea. Well, what you do when you do ask that question. Well, first of all, it would floor them. You them, and you find out how they feel. In that debate the other night, I have no idea what they feel. Mm -hmm. I know what they think. I don't know what they feel. And I was always a feeling interviewer. Do you, do you dislike your opponent? You know, Mr. Romney, when you think of Obama, what do you think of? And you could ask questions that could really hurt you because know, this is so true in politics. Well, I will tell you flat out why they won't let you moderate is because the handlers haven't prepared them for questions right. like that. Yeah. And you, you could ask, for example, I would ask uh, Romney, uh, you're a patriot? Yeah. Would, would you like to see two million new jobs tomorrow? Mm -hmm. Would you like to see a fast turn in the economy tomorrow? Mm -hmm. Of course he'd say no. He'd say yes, mm -hmm. but he'd think no, right? Mm -hmm. He doesn't want a mass change in the economy because he'd lose. He doesn't want things to get better. Well, you know, you know I, I, I give people the benefit Obama might of the like, doubt. Obama might like something bad to happen in the world that he could take advantage of. Like well, the Middle East another, right I'll now. Give, oh, I'll give you something bad. Let's say... Uh, well, let's just talk about tomorrow. something. Let's talk a about something I'll real. Give you a, hurricane. a hurricane hits tomorrow, and we swoop down. The Office of Management... Uh, 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 Emergency Management Services? Of yeah, mm -hmm. They get right there right away. Nobody's dead. Mm -hmm. People clear it up. They were well prepared. People are cleared up. People are rescued. He's a hero. Mm -hmm. Right? But would he root for the hurricane? The answer is probably yes. <laughs> mm. Well, you know, I give people the benefit of the doubt. I like to think that Romney and Obama are up there because they really believe that their approach is the right one for the country. I, I don't like to ascribe any negative intentions to people, even if I don't agree with them and I think they're misguided. I don't think it comes from a maniacal place. Would you agree? Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, but... I, I, I've met very few maniacal people. I met lots I didn't agree with. Yeah. But opponents don't want to see good things happen to the opponent. If if all the media is going to little segments like this, doesn't that automatically uh, make the guests just rely on these little three talking points that they go from network to network to network, and they're just repeating the same things their handlers have told them to? Unless you get into a long-format interview, you can't really get off the talking points and get down to, as you say, how does the person feel? What makes them tick? But what do they really the think? Public, does the public have the patience to sit through it? 
when they're used to those sound bites and that quick thing, that quick study and run out. Well, and hey, I like junk food. It tastes good, but I don't eat it for three meals a day. No, but, uh, but Snickers still sells more than health food. And you've got to look at the young. And when I get my 13-year-old, he's a bright kid. He's a sports addict. He's a, he's a sports addict who I will hand the sports pages and read them because you've got ESPN. Right. And ESPN tells him everything that he thinks he wants to know. He doesn't care what they said in the locker room. That doesn't interest him. What happened on the field? Who's pitching tomorrow? <laughs> the background don't interest them. Mm-hmm. And they're raised in a society where that isn't, they don't see it. They're not, they don't gravitate to the newspaper. They well, don't you mentioned earlier that the media might be responsible for some of this polarization in Washington, D.C., and I believe oh, sure. that the more we go to small little segments and people are repeating their talking points, the more pressure we put on guests and celebrities to say things that are very explosive and extreme so they can be uh, retweeted yeah, and, and, and that their, their comments will be rebroadcast. Yeah, but when things, the problem is... Aren't we creating keep, a problem with extremism? How are you going to keep them down on the farm after they've seen Paris? Uh, you ever watch <laughs> HD You ever watch HD television? Sure. You can't watch it on HD. I can't watch it. <laughs> so, I see, you could never, so you can never go back to non-HD TV. Uh-huh. So that, that's, that's the nature of the beast. Uh, the conversation is moot. If it comes around, maybe... Will newspapers start to gravitate again? I don't think so. Will we have long-form programming? I hope so. Do I know so? Not sure. Uh, I hope I hope we do, because I think that that's the way to get down to the material that really matters and to get off of these talking points and this sensationalism. Now, Me we have too. to take our last break, and uh, when we come back, we're going to find out from Larry King what guests he'd like to bring back to his program. You're listening to the Costa Report. Hi, I'm Rebecca Costa, host of the Costa Report. We have an important election coming this November, and I know that many folks are struggling right now. And if you're not struggling, well, then you're just flat out worried. I know that you're hoping that the next president, whoever they are, will have a plan for getting us out of an economic hole that keeps getting deeper. But this time around, the answers may not come from the top down. Something is happening to us, and it is happening to all people in all nations at the exact same time. And that is why I am asking you to take a moment to read The Watchman's Rattle. It's a book that will change the way you see our problems and also the upcoming election. So please pick up a copy of The Watchman's Rattle. Do it now. It's available at Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, and independent bookstores everywhere. You can also grab a copy at RebeccaCost. But don't wait. Take a moment to get your copy, and together, let's get our lives and our country moving forward again. Just about everyone knows that fruits and vegetables are good for our health, but not everyone knows how to build a healthier plate. Hi, I'm Amy Tobin, a cookbook author and culinary expert. For each meal, nutrition experts recommend filling half of your plate with fruits and veggies. Whether it's fresh berries with your breakfast cereal, a wrap filled with your favorite roasted vegetables for lunch, or a medley of crunchy veggies for a pre-dinner nibble, Dole provides the freshest and highest quality produce available. When you load up on all the nutritional good stuff, you give your meal an instant boost of color, flavor, and texture, plus vitamins and minerals and fiber. Everything your body needs to succeed. 
For nutritional inspiration and to learn more about Dole's fresh, whole, and cut vegetables and a full line of berries, visit Dole.com. With Dole as your partner in health, the possibilities are endless. Visit Dole.com. Hello, Trudy. You fancy some BBC, then? What, the telly? No, I mean bangers, beans and chips, missus. Ooh, I'm a bit peckish. Are you making tea, then? No, I thought we'd go to the Britannia Arms in Capitola. You know they've got a new one right on the beach. Get away, sitting on top of the Call Blimey. Does that place have the same menu? Yes, and some lovely new appetizers as well. Steamed mussels, grilled artichokes, ahi tartar. That sounds delicious. You know what? I think I'm going to decide when I get there. I might go with the fish and chips, the chicken curry, or ribeye steak with Yorkshire pudding. Well, they always pour a nice pint there as well. Oh, I love a glass of cider. Right, we're off then, and you can buy the first round. Because two Brits are better than one. Britannia Arms are now in two locations, in Capitola Village at the end of the Esplanade and at 8017 SoCal Drive in Aptos. Lovely jubbly. Toodles! We've all heard the term baby boomer referring to those born from 1946 to 1964. There are an estimated 80 million baby boomers with the first wave hitting the Social Security and Medicare systems in recent years with more to follow. Many healthcare experts are predicting epidemics of Alzheimer's, type 2 diabetes, heart disease and cancer among this group. However, these impending epidemics can be averted, as there is a new group emerging. This group we call the baby bloomers, because despite their chronological age, they are still physically fit, active, working, and playing. They've heard Dr. Wallach's message regarding diet, lifestyle, and nutritional supplementation. So while many around them diminish in health and vitality, they are blossoming and blooming into vibrant, healthy, on-the-go people. Wouldn't you rather be a Longevity Baby Bloomer? For more information or to order, call Andy or Phyllis Anderson at 888-245-0300. That's 888-245-0300. Back to the Costa Report. Our guest today is television and radio host, Mr. Larry King. And, you know, I have to ask you, you must have had a few guests there out of that 50,000 guest list, which is very intimidating to a broadcaster like me. I have to say there's got to be a couple guests that stand out in your mind that you would love to, you know, the door is always open. You'd love to have them back. Well, some of them are gone. You know, sure, I'd love to have Frank Sinatra back, who is in the entertainment field, a great guest, always welcome. Barbara Streisand, always love Mario Cuomo, Bill Clinton, anytime Bill Clinton, the late Barry Goldwater, great guest, guys who don't have a cutoff between the brain and the tongue, and therefore they give you the direct answer as they as they hear it, uh, the late Malcolm X, uh, Nelson Mandela, anytime, ones I missed, I wish I would have been able to do Fidel Castro. So, so you yeah, like people that uh, say what they mean and are rather courageous mean about what it. they say. Yeah, yeah they're right. they're not trying to spin it in any particular direction. That's right. Is they have attained any... a place in yeah. life where they have security in themselves, mm-hmm. and so and that would be any guess, whether it was a sergeant in the Marine Corps or a, a ballet a ballet dancer or an actor or a businessman who just has that that here's what you ask, here's what I'll answer. There have been a lot of guests like that. Nixon was a great guy, Richard Nixon. When he wasn't thinking politically, when he was out of office, I did a lot of interviews with him. 
and uh, he was great. His analysis was great. He could analyze the situation tremendously, whether you agree with his politics or not. And I like people. I like smart people. I like uh, probing people, people who are curious, people who don't accept everything that is that is locked in, that life isn't black and white. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, you love good. Everybody loves a good guest. Good. You a- want the guest absolutely. to be good. Absolutely. I I don't like uh, guests necessarily that are uh, watching every single thing they say and are overly cautious. And I I don't know what I would have done if I ever got a Robert Mitchum. I'd probably just fold. I don't have the new I used to to say, (laughs) if you see a politician asked a question who then answers by saying, I'm glad you asked that. Oh, no. You know know he is not glad (laughs) you asked that. And he's trying to think of something to say while he's saying, I'm glad you asked that. Well, Good tip for listeners. <laughs> oh, boy. I think, you, I think you blew the cover on a lot of our politicians for our <laughs> listeners. You know, not long ago, I had a Craig Newmark, the founder of Craigslist, on my show. And he told me that uh, John, the John Stewart show was the only news program he ever listened to. Because he thought that there was truth there, as opposed to every other program that he watched. And I wondered if you even considered, because I know that you, for a while, thought about a uh, even a career in stand-up comedy. Did you think about going to the Comedy Channel? Because they seem people seem to really love Jon Stewart's program and rely on it for the truth. I would love to have done that. I've been a guest on that show. <laughs> it is, it is, a, it is a wonderful show. Of course, it's not all the news. And again, it's the news from Jon Stewart's perspective. Remember. When you say object, there's no total objectivity. For example, uh, uh, the New York Times makes a decision uh, that what is the headline in tomorrow's paper. And that decision is arrived at by having the editor meet with the editors of various departments. They go over the stories. And then a subjective opinion is made based on prior knowledge that this will be the big story. And what is the story? I, I remember once this is a great question. You might think of this, Rebecca, mm-hmm. in future interviews. I asked this of the late John Chancellor, one of my favorite people, a wonderful news anchor at NBC, who mm-hmm. died too soon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's say you are the news director of a television station in St. Louis. Okay? You go on at 6 o'clock. At 10 minutes to 6, the following things happen. The largest hotel in St. Louis has a fire throughout the building. People Mm -hmm. are jumping out the window. Mm -hmm. It's a five-alarm fire. There are trucks coming from everywhere. The hospitals in St. Louis go on strike. Doctors and nurses walk out of every hospital. No hospital in St. Louis has a doctor or a nurse. A hundred convicts escape from a prison. 50 miles from St. Louis, they are armed, and they are coming to St. Louis. And the President of the United States has just declared war on Iran. What's your lead? I call, my lead is, uh, Rebecca Costa calls Larry King to ask him to substitute for her as a uh, as host of her program. What's his lead? Well, there, is, there is, by the way, a correct answer. Hey, I, I, know, I know when I'm outmatched for the news. I'm not okay. like other broadcasters. I know when I'm outmatched. Okay, now, but he had, the objective of that is, Chancellor said, what do I have film of? Which was a great answer. Because wow. that's what we used to today. What do I have film of? Wow. You could make a case for every one of those. War, what's bigger than war? 
War means that my son could be going to fight in Iran, right? That's no bigger right. war. What's bigger than no hospital being attended to? Well, what about God. the prison escape? What about? But the, the correct answer is the prison escape because that poses an immediate threat to the citizens watching. I the see. others do not pose an immediate threat, and you have to go with. Now you know I'm an evolutionary. Journalistically correct answer, okay. but you could do any one of them and lead with. Now it. you know I'm an evolutionary biologist by training, and I would say you're 100 percent right because if you throw a snake in the room, everybody automatically reflexively jumps. But you start right. talking about climate change or social security running out of money, and our heartbeat doesn't go up one beat per hour. So you're absolutely right. I should have thought about that. But, but you're, it you're is a subjective decision. I might have been the news director of that station and gone with the hospital story. Really? Because my uncle may have been in a hospital. <laughs> ah. So I may see. So there is a subjectivity to every objective question. Uh-huh. Because I've asked fair questions, but they were my opinions of what was fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so everything is objectively subjective. But what does all it say pundits, that people... All these pundits are subjectively objective. I, I understand that, but what does it say about so many people saying that they're turning to the comedy channel to get a balanced perspective? That's a little bizarre. I well, mean, I, I didn't see that, that coming. Did you see that coming? Well, they're saying I don't get it from MSNBC. I don't get it from Fox. I'm not happy with what CNN is doing. And the comedy... All people love Uber. Uh, Will Rogers, Mark Twain, Bob Hope, all those numerous of the past who, who kidded politicians always had tremendous viewers because Americans like to laugh at themselves. Hey, we all like to laugh. You know, there was humor in the Holocaust. Yeah. Uh, there were comics who stayed alive because they told stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, who doesn't like to laugh? Yeah. So, and John Stewart is a master of it. But he does get information out there. He has a wonderful, he's not just a good storyteller, but he has a great way of getting facts out there that are veiled in humor. And he takes no sides. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. everyone is fair game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I love John for that. He's a superior talent. Right. Well, may, maybe we'll see John on uh, on your Internet channel. Oh, we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to do him in New York at the end of October. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Before he'll be on. And once again, over. where and when can listeners catch Larry King now? You can get once every once we do an interview, it's there in perpetuity, so you can see him forever. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we you get it by if you have the internet. By the way, all the new TV sets you can hook it right in, and get the internet right on your home television. I watch it on home television. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get it on Hulu, mm-hmm. which is a very popular internet service. Uh, the name of our network is Aura TV. You can go to Aura TV or to Hulu, and when we do. Uh, Political-type debate shows and following debates or following elections or on YouTube. But we're always there. I'm there right now. You'll find us right now. (laughs) Well, that's our program for today. But before I let you go, let me take a moment to thank you for decades of excellent programming and wish you continued success on Larry King now. Thank you, Mr. King. Thank you, Rebecca. Great being with you. Thank you so much. If your station is leaving us after the first hour, our guest next week is the former Special Inspector General for the Troubled Asset Relief Program, better known as TARP, Mr. Neil Borofsky. He'll be here to give us an exclusive insider's look at the reason TARP was a boon for Wall Street, but left those facing home foreclosures out in the cold. Don't miss Neil Borofsky's account of how TARP failed those who it was designed to help. That's next week right here on your favorite weekly news program. Until then, I'm Rebecca Costa, and you're listening to The Costa Report.
Hi, I'm Judy Profeta, owner, broker, and active real estate agent of Alon Pinnell Realtors, a locally owned real estate company. We've operated on the peninsula for over 16 years, currently located on the corner of Ocean and Dolores and Unipero between 5th and 6th in downtown Carmel. We serve the Monterey Peninsula, focusing on Carmel, Pebble Beach, and the Carmel Valley. Our firm of about 50 agents represents everything from Carmel Cottages to Pebble Beach Estates and oceanfront properties to Valley Vineyards. We are actually known for our vast inventory of fine properties. Drop by and see us, or better yet, visit our website at apr-carmel.com. That's apr-carmel.com. Or you can give us a call at 831 622 1040. And make sure you tell them Judy sent me. Hi folks, Warren Knox here of Knox Roofing. Going through my tackle box the other day brought to mind all the choices we have. Lures like a Castmaster, a Wobble Right, Super Dupers, Ford Fenders, a Crocodile, Panther Martin, or a Blue Fox. A Hoochie might work. It's hard to know which one. All work differently. When it comes to hiring a roofing contractor, it's a lot like a tackle box. Lots of choices between contractors. Some look flashy, talk, dress, fancy, have a lot of promises, and can be very convincing and pretty. But when it comes to your home, especially your roof, there's only one choice to get the job done right, and that's Knox Roofing. So folks, don't get lured in by a flashy contractor. Knox Roofing tells it straight. We have a track record, unsurpassed in the community. If poor workmanship and substandard materials is what you're looking for, Knox Roofing is not for you. So give Knox Roofing a call today. We'll be a good catch for you at 461-0634. Thanks, folks. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.